DW. The 77%. Hello there. It's that time again when we meet to debate some of the hot topics on the African continent. Hello and welcome to the 77%, where you, the African youth, get a chance to speak out on anything that bothers you. In South Africa, the recent killing of a boy with Down's syndrome has revived debates over police brutality. They're killing innocent lives. Yes. Ah, destroying innocent lives. Destroying ah, people's families and things. Yes. We seek and die of dust. In our debate this week, we head to Kenya, where police brutality is rising since the COVID-19 lockdowns started. It's reported by the Human Rights Watch that in the first 10 days of that curfew, six people died at the hands of police officers. And so today we're asking, who do you turn to when you need protection from the police? And in Nigeria, seeing the police does not imply safety. Some people avoid them to stay safe. Sad that the people that should actually give you security, you now avoid them because you want to feel secure. So it's, it's terrible. As you may have already guessed, today's show is talking about police brutality. You can join the conversation on our Facebook page, DW Africa. My name is Michael Oti. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore N underscore OT. I want to get to know you, so let's get talking. We need you to share the greatness you carry in every corner of your soul. No need for mediocrity, the wealth has seen enough of it. People compromising with their hearts, you don't have to do this. Don't you know this wisdom, greatness and divinity in every corner of your soul. South Africa is no stranger to police brutality. The country of 60 million people has one of the world's highest murder rates. In 2012, the police shot 34 minors who participated in a strike. The latest incident to grip the attention of the country is the killing of a 16-year-old boy, Nathaniel Julius, who was returning home from a corner store. His death has sparked outrage and now other victims of police brutality are demanding reform. That report by Stephen Moe, narrated by Kai Neben. Eldorado Park in Soweto, outside Johannesburg. Police fire rubber bullets at protesting youths enraged at a police officer who shot a 16-year-old in the head and chest. They're killing innocent lives. Yes. Ah, destroying innocent lives. Destroying ah, people's families and things. Yes. We seek and die of dust. Yes. But they are killing us, they are hurting us. So we don't feel safe. How will we feel safe for them? The victim, Nathaniel Julius, was unarmed and living with Down syndrome. Neighbors say he was shot because he did not respond to officers' questions. Now the community demands answers from the authorities. A provincial official arrives and finds a devastated mother. Nobody will ever fulfill that pain or take it away. When I identify his body, nobody's supposed to, not a child supposed to die like this. No child in this world needs to die like this. Nathaniel Julius's death comes as police face allegations of brutality throughout the country. With 300 to 500 people killed by police bullets every year, 
Many South Africans ask themselves if law enforcement still serves to protect. A week before the shocking death of Julius, we visited the El Dorado Park police station, an establishment at the heart of a drug and gang-ridden neighborhood. Many residents here believe the police is corrupt and in cahoots with dealers. Constable Kinsey and Kutsia are rookies who wish to change that perception. To be honest, I don't feel, I don't feel good at all when I hear all the bad remarks and stuff about our colleagues and stuff. But I always tell myself, I'll stay the person I am to make a difference in whatever the community members is saying about us. The young constables in El Dorado Park wage a daily war on drugs. Today, Constable Kutsia and Kinsey have taken illegal drug labs apart and arrested a number of street dealers. Seeing that the police is actually doing something against the gangsters is well received. A 2019 report by Corruption Watch suggests police are the most corrupt public servants, with abuse of power and bribery being ripe. Lawyer Vickers Stale in Johannesburg wants to see more responsible police officers in charge. He represents victims of police brutality and says the trend is systemic and has been institutionalized from the top. I think the problem with the police is that they are not sufficiently trained. They do not have proper leadership. The head of the police has told them to scop, skit and donor, which is a shoot, kick and punch. Um, they, they are alone to themselves. They, they think uh, they can do as and what they please without any consequences. Back in El Dorado Park, the shooting has stopped, but residents are still angry. If nothing changes, they say, the police station will be burned down. They demand an accountable police that protects and serves its people. It is not just South Africa that is dealing with issues of police brutality. We asked people in Uganda, Nigeria and Zimbabwe. Take a listen. When everyone sees police here, in Uganda, what comes to their mind? One is impunity, two is uh, torture, three uh, arrest with no explanation because that's what our police has painted themselves as. It's bad, really, really bad. Most people avoid the police intentionally. Like it's sad that the people that should actually give you security, you now avoid them because you want to feel secure. So it's, it's terrible. Actually, it's hostile, not a bit. It's, it's hostile because we, as, as young people, we, we are fearful of those who are supposed to be protecting us. In, in democratic societies, we see police officers are supposed to be protecting the citizens, but in our case, it's the reverse. They are the ones who are tormenting us. The police officers have to sort of go back to school and be told how to handle the public. He heard from people in Zimbabwe, Nigeria and Uganda on how the police treats citizens in these countries. What has been your experience with the police? On our Facebook page, Justice Peace says the police in Cameroon, like their colleagues in the military, have been transformed into hardened terrorists.
Alausa Agbebin says the Nigerian police are so corrupt to the extent that if they catch you on the street, they will beat you up and accuse you of crimes you have not committed. Nigerian police can never do without bribes, even if the US president, Donald Trump, is the president of Nigeria. Interesting comment there. And Indika Donald Wango says, real police brutality is in Cameroon. Muetan Okechuku Emmanuel on our Facebook page, DW Africa, says that police arrested me and put me in a cell while I was serving in Benue because I came out around 2 to 3 a.m. from prayers to go back home. I was dealt with because I refused giving bribes to those criminals in police uniforms. It's such a sad incident that he had to go through. Meanwhile, Reddy Didanda Chinedum says the police brutality is gradually becoming a norm in Nigeria. More than 20 people lose their lives to cycles in police uniform on a daily basis. Alan Newman Okoloba says police brutality and corruption is among their job schedule in Nigeria. So we are getting a lot of comments from Nigeria uh, on how the Nigerian police treats its citizens. And most of these comments, I should say all of the comments, are not positive. Samuel Dubo I says that the police in my country, Liberia, is ruthless. Unfortunately, they are partisan as well. Those are some of your comments on our Facebook page. Remember that you can also join the debate on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Given the comments that we have just read, the question is, how can the police truly serve the public and not brutalize them? That is the main question of this week's debate. For this, we head to Nairobi in Kenya. My colleague Edith Kimani tells us more. The 77% has been to Italy, we've been to Germany, and now we're back in the capital city of Kenya, Nairobi. And it's in this country that in March a curfew was put in place as a COVID prevention measure. And it's reported by the Human Rights Watch that in the first 10 days of that curfew, six people died at the hands of police officers. And so today we're asking, who do you turn to when you need protection from the police? So I'd like to begin this conversation with Perpetua Karaoke. She's actually from the Kayole Social Justice uh, Center. But beyond that, you know, this idea of police brutality, it's not just abstract to you. It's affected your family in a very personal way. Could you please tell us about that? In 2015, I lost my brother through the extrajudicial execution. So. By then, I couldn't follow up the case because we had no idea or the strategy of how of reporting the case. Can you tell us how your brother came to even be in contact with the police in the first place? So from the story we were told by the police is that he went to his friend's house who was a wanted guy. And the guy got out and uh, locked him from outside. And uh, that's when the police came and uh, executed him and they used a silence it wasn't like a there was no mention of you're under arrest we're here for you because of such and such no 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 so dimas kiprono is standing next to you he's from amnesty international does this sound like some of the reports you're putting in place because you know when you talk about the numbers it's easy to forget that there's human beings behind them what is the situation currently if based on your own assessment on police brutality well, uh, this sounds quite uh, familiar. Tragically, this happens, especially in urban poor areas, 
where the fight against crime is a fight against the youth of that area. Uh, just like what happens in the U.S. in black neighborhoods, where the police decide that the policing in this area is going to be punitive. And um, we have seen uh, very many cases, and during this COVID period, there have been 20 cases, 20 killings mm. of young people, wow. including I mean, a 13-year-old boy. That's, that's crazy. We're yeah. talking from March, because that's when we had our first yeah. case here in Kenya. Yeah. 20 people. 20 people. Okay, I want to speak to Waiban, who is a musician and a blogger and a resident of these low-income areas, Madare. Have you been in a situation where you felt the police were being violent towards you? Exactly, exactly. I've been in that situation severally, not once, not twice. I can't count, yeah. For one reason, just my physical appearance, just having dreadlocks, makes me criminal, yeah. So that has, has made me encounter the police so many times. So much that I've become more adjusted to that, you know, like I know already how I will be able to respond to a policeman also based on how he approaches me. Yeah. So let's come to Mr. White Ganjo. We're hearing already some very staggering stories. So what you must be getting in your office must be out of this world. Uh, how many cases do you get on average of people complaining about police behavior? Between March and uh, close of June. Uh, we received over 500 complaints. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but then I want to say uh, that those are not police killings. For mm. instance, those range from assault and serious injuries, of course, police killings, uh, but the others, the police misconduct. So how many, has Ipoa, how many convictions has Ipoa managed to get? Um, six convictions on uh, life sentences and hung and hanging. But I don't want you to look at that statistic. Come yes, on. But one must do that. Uh, we understand that the cases take really long and our judicial service also has its problems. But if you're saying 500 complaints in a span of a couple of months and six convictions since the body was formed. First of all, all the complaints that we get do not add up in court because we see them. We look at what is within our mandate. Mm -hmm. What is not within our mandate, we delegate to other responsible multisectoral organizations that handle those matters. All right, so thank you so much. I definitely understand that. But Byron, I have to come to you because we obviously don't have a police officer here, but you're the closest person we have to one. What goes through the mind of a police officer when they're in that sort of situation? You know, what would lead a police officer to draw his gun and kill an unarmed person? Uh, coming from a community of very high liability organization like the Special Forces, I know for certain that when life is supposed to be taken, the decision is very, very critical. And so life that's supposed to be taken is that which has been thought about so many times and we set up so many times in terms of decision-making on the part of the operators. So the judgment around the practice of security and all the delivery of security service has got to be rethought and the functions thereof in terms of even the training and the preparation or even the brief of the particular operators has got to be refined to the last minute detail of that operation. So my solution would uh, be that the police being the big brother here, I've got to operate at a higher pedestal when it comes to the way they address themselves to insecurities and how they also apply themselves to the provision of security service. Okay, Perpetua, very quickly, we opened with you. I'd like to hear your final thoughts and also what you think can be done to bridge this gap between citizens and the police. Most of these police, allegedly police killer cops, they don't wear uniform, mm -hmm. they don't identify themselves. We don't know who they answer to because sometimes we'll go to the police station and, and report a case and they'll say, come later. So 
my uh, solution my solution <laughs> is this police reform to be implemented mm -hmm. everywhere mm -hmm. in this country because okay. we are all citizens of this country and we deserve to be treated with dignity oh we, yes. d we do deserve to be treated with dignity. I can't think of a better place to wrap up this conversation. Thank you so much to my panel who've been so gracious to stand with me as the sun goes down. I think what we can take away is that the police officers are being asked that their slogan, Utumishiko, what a service to all needs to be to all. And from the community, service from all, that we also have a responsibility to play in this. That debate is from Edith Kimani in Nairobi. <laughs> Now we head back onto our Facebook page where some more of your comments have come through. Odo Obina says Africa still has a long way to go. We need to wipe out all the old folks before we can breathe. M. Wene Firaimu, sorry if I mispronounce your name, on our Facebook page says in Uganda, the police are feared more than COVID-19. They are murderers, thieves, militia for the ruling party, framers of cases, torturers, the most corrupt thing ever, with open hostility to anyone who opposes the ruling party. And most of all, they are crude and inhumane. It's satanic and devilish, only compared to uncertainty. This is a very, very strongly worded comment on our Facebook page. But it also reflects how Furaimu feels about the police in Uganda. Thank you for the comments on our Facebook page and for making this program better. That is all we have time for on this week's edition of the 77% Show. But before I go, here is Benna Boy featuring Chris Martin. This song is titled Monsters You Made off his latest album, Twice As Told. You can listen to this show and previous editions by visiting dw.com forward slash Africa. In the meantime, keep the debate going. I am Michael Oti. Thanks for listening. Away. That's why we strapped with the case. Don't get kidnapped from your place. Cause it could happen today. Not knowing how to behave. That is a sign that you made. Just lose your life with the waste. Your body found in the lake. You fucked around in the fisherman. Found you drowning for days. You know we come from a place where people smile, but it's fake. How could they smile if you look around and surrounded by pain? I seen the skies and the grave. It took the life from the day. It's like the heads of the state ain't comprehending the hate that they Oppressed generate when they've been working like slaves to get some minimum wage. You turn around and you blame them for their anger and rage. Put them in shackles and chains because of what they became. We are the monsters you made. Calling me a monster, calling us fake. You make them out of toilet, turn us away.